0: All right, Boca Podcast listeners, thanks so much for joining us for another episode today. And I'm here with a new friend of mine. We literally just met what Isaac about three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was about three weeks ago.
0: Yeah, so Isaac Coffee and your brand, your photography business, Coffee Creations. I'll go ahead and mention the URL for those listening in. Of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at Boca bokeh, bokehpodcast.com. It's coffeecoFfycreations.com same thing on Instagram. And I have to say this from the outset, uh, Isaac, major props to you for actually putting your social media icons at the top of your website where you don't have to go searching for them. I'm noticing with a lot of photographers' (laughs) websites these days, you have to scroll all the way down to the bottom of their homepage to find social media. Did you do that on purpose?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Social media is such such an important key element to brand awareness, because that's, that's, that's why I push social media so much. Cause I know focusing, I focus on high school senior portraits and they find just some serious importance in social media. So when they can visit my website and then find me on social immediately, then everything's just going to, flow altogether as far as within the brand. And I know photographers like that too. I mean, we all creep on each other as photographers. So <laughs> yep. I, I love being able to connect on social media. So if I, I'll visit a photographer's website, that's one of the first things I'm looking for is that Instagram or Facebook URL, essentially.
0: Yeah, I was confused about this actually some time ago. And so we, I, we got into it a little bit on the podcast. I had, I think, at least one person on who was a branding specialist and asked them, a similar, asked them about this idea of pushing your Instagram or your Facebook icons elsewhere where you, where you have to actually, the person coming to the site has to look for them. And that was confusing to me because as you pointed out, people are, are engaging on social media. I mean, that's that that's the so-called the traditional watering hole, if you will. That's where people are going to connect right. on so many levels now, um, like it or not. And so why you would hide that from the viewer is confusing to me. The point that was made at the time and uh, was that they didn't want... the, 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 I guess the viewers, those who are coming to the website to go away from the website, they wanted them there on Mm. the website. And I can understand the point of conversation to an extent, but ultimately, you know, that uh, most know that you're not going to be able to engage with that photographer on a more personal level, just by scrolling through their website. If you go to their Instagram account, their Facebook page, you can comment, you can like, you can actually create a conversation there. And it seems like a much more personal interaction
1: absolutely yeah it's a lot more inviting and that's the point that i want to make myself extremely accessible to where it's not hard it's it's basically eliminating any barriers that someone might have where maybe they want to reach out via you know instagram direct message as opposed to filling out my contact form and so being extremely accessible in that way just will increase my leads
0: yeah and and i don't want to get too far off track here but i'm curious that idea of accessibility, how do you balance? And really, this ties into what is usually our first question here at the podcast, which has to do with creating time. Um, But how do you balance accessibility, especially with social media? And, you know, somebody can DM you any and every time that they want to. How do you balance that accessibility and availability with also not kind of getting bogged down and constantly, quote, working?
1: When it when it comes to being accessible, there still has to be the parameters on my end as far as when I'm going to be responding to people. So then expectations are are set in place. So what I mean by that is more like I I try not to I try try that's that's key word here try not to respond to messages after you know like six p.m. seven p.m. Yeah. or or whatever or even super early in the morning if I'm if I'm up and at it at 5 a.m. I'm trying not to respond to messages then because I want people to understand is like you, you message me. I'm not, I'm not going to be getting back to you whenever, whenever's most convenient for you, yes. but more so in my business. And so setting those parameters has helped me a ton because I used to not do that. And clients would be confused if I didn't respond to them immediately. Um, that's an interesting
0: so. point of conversation. You know, it reminds me actually, I was in an email, uh, right now it's, it's about one o'clock in the afternoon. Eastern I was in email this morning, which is a little unusual for me. I normally push communication, email, uh, phone calls until the afternoon, mid-afternoon or so. And I sent out a couple of emails. And um, it, I was even thinking this morning as I was in those uh, sending those emails that I don't want to confuse the expectations that I have at least created with my, my team, which is I handle communication around 2 to 3 p.m. in the afternoon because I then don't want emails coming into my inbox and they're like, well, why isn't he responding right now? So being consistent in the expectations that you set following through on those is really important. There's actually a tool, a little extra tip for those of you listening in here to get us started called Boomerang for Gmail mm-hmm. that enables you to be able to schedule that email to go out at a later time. Uh, for the sake of managing those expectations if you need to. So if you happen to be doing some work late at night, let's say it's 8, 9, 10 o'clock or whatever it might be, and you want to send out, go ahead and respond to these emails, but not send it out and create an expectation that you're going to be responding to communication at 10 o'clock at night, you can use G- or, uh, Boomerang for Gmail and it will enable you to be able to send that email out at a, at a more appropriate time that reflects that expectation that you're creating for your client.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Cause I know as entrepreneurs, sometimes we don't have an off switch. So tools like that are amazing. I (laughs) I've used it just a little bit, but definitely not as much as I should. Cause that that's phenomenal. I mean, as far as being able to respond whenever but only allow it to send when you need it to. So that's great.
0: Yeah, it's a great tool. It also has the ability to be able to um, bring an, an email. If you send an email to somebody and you're you're questioning whether or not they'll respond, you're concerned about them responding in a timely manner, you can set it up so that that email boomerangs back to your inbox if that person hasn't responded in a certain time frame. And, and I've used that quite a bit as well. It's really helpful. But anyway, I love how this conversation is starting off. And I think we're going to have a lot to, to share with the listeners today. Let me get to our first question, which is Norm to do with this idea of saving time or creating time for ourselves? Is there something that you do in your day-to-day workflow, your week-to-week workflow that enables you to create space for yourself and the important people in your life?
1: Yeah. I was excited about this question because it's it's got a weighty answer if if you're ready for that. Yeah, Um, let's do it. Yeah. So, I I'm 24 years old. I'm younger. Um, I grew a beard so that i look a little bit older. (laughs) (laughs) So all part of the brand, but no, so I'm 24 years old and about, it's been about two and a half years ago. I was, my business was expanding like, like crazy. I was moving into a new downtown space. It needed some renovation. So I was doing a lot of the work myself while I was in just like full, I mean, full senior season essentially. And I I started stretching myself so thin to the point where being in my first year of marriage, I completely neglected my wife Mm. in a way that I just was so focused on building a future for her and for us that I I was, I completely just forgot about it. I set it to the wayside and missed basically an entire first year of marriage, um, which is said to be one of the detrimental kind of like foundational building points in someone's marriage. Wow the wild part was what really kicked me on my butt was I struck a fever one night and, um, essentially a virus attacked my heart. My immune system was just completely wrecked from the stress. Mm-hmm. I was sleeping probably three to four hours a night mm-hmm. and I had a heart attack. So wow. I was hospitalized for a couple of days and then, i mean put out a commission for about a month i mean it was like a month of climbing stairs would hurt my my chest and hurt my heart and the wake-up call that came with that was this just wild understanding that it doesn't matter how young we are or how old we are or kind of what health we're at in our life if we're completely neglecting the important parts in life what's what's now Mm. we could be gone tomorrow and not had the chance to really experience life for what for what it really truly is and so that was as I'm very susceptible to heart attacks. Now it doesn't run in my family. That's not a genetic thing in my family. So it it kind of has some big long-term effects, but it it opened my eyes to the the realization of that alone of like my wife is one of the most important things in my life that I can't, I can't just throw that away because again, if I die tomorrow, even if it's a car accident or something that's not health related, I, I will have completely thrown away things that I could have been enjoying. Um, and so as far as technique and tips, that that alone just made me realize, okay, I need to really focus on what's most important in my life, being my wife, being my family, my relationship with God. I need to focus on those things right there and not all this other stuff that's bogging me down. And so that's when I began with the outsourcing. I hired an assistant to do things that I didn't need to be doing. I found the tools uh, that could allow me to essentially, you know, like the boomerang, where it allows me to respond that that kind of stuff. I started finding all these tools that allowed me to basically make a nine to five job as an entrepreneur in a way that's, you know, a desirable nine to five job where I could I could put a cap on my begin time, end time, and really build a future that is is coming is is exciting, but also the a present that is equally as exciting and that I can enjoy a life that I can enjoy now, because if I'm gone tomorrow, you know, being able to look on, look back on the present, that's, that's what I want to be able to do um, and not completely forget about that. So,
0: wow. Wow. That I mean, first of all, thank you for being willing to share something like that. And it's a powerful story and a, a really powerful reminder for all of us too. And, and I love the emphasis there on on relationships, particularly with your wife. And man, it is a tough thing. I, I also got married young and those those first couple of years when you're just, you're kind of figuring things out and, and learning mm-hmm. a lot can be really, really tough. And and so I can understand what you're talking about there. But I'm curious now that you've implemented... Well, actually, I have a couple of questions for you. So first of all, what would you say would be the, the biggest tool or technique or or I hesitate to say trick because it kind of sounds trite, but the the, the tool that you've implemented that has saved you the most time, uh, number one? And then two, what, what is like a day in the life look like for you and your wife now how do you guys like to spend time together
1: Yeah I, I would definitely say it sounds like you're setting me up so perfectly for it so I love it I would say definitely so calling and editing and I'm I'm not just saying this because because of what Nate does here but the calling and editing in my business is like the bane of my existence and so being able to take that off my plate so that was actually why I hired an assistant a couple years back was to take culling and editing off my plate. I, my creative comes in the shooting element, you know, the lighting, the shooting, the posing, that's my creative element. And I know, I know I, I get kicked back on this from photographers that don't agree with me, but that's the beauty of what we do. It's everyone's different. Everyone's sure. unique in their own flow, but yeah. I I'm okay to relinquish essentially the editing and colling of what I do. And so I know people, some people even fight me on the calling part, but that's okay. <laughs> so that that took the most of my time. As far as I, I hated sitting behind the computer doing all that stuff, and so getting that off my plate has been amazing. Financially, having an assistant wasn't wasn't working anymore recently, and so I then moved to outsourcing to photographers edit actually.
0: And, and I have to, I have to say to be clear here too, like I, I, you and I didn't talk about this question beforehand and, and uh, I certainly didn't mean to set you up to, to give a promo for for PE, but we actually (laughs) met that the fun story actually is we we met. So Haley, who helps produce the podcast and and is in charge of our digital marketing at at photographers edit had literally just, I was at at imaging PPA's imaging conference in Atlanta uh, on the trade show floor. And Haley sent me some some images, just absolutely mind blowing images. I've never seen senior photography that looked like this before. And she was literally sending me these images. I think we were maybe working on something for social media or for our website or something at the time. And, and anyway, she she mentioned she's like, we should get this guy in the podcast. And I, at that point, I get the message, I open my phone, I'm looking at that, and then I send her a picture because I'm literally standing in front of this booth where you're doing a presentation. Like I kind of walk up on the booth and there you are doing a presentation at that moment at the booth. <laughs> and we ended up having a chance to, to connect um, over conversation for a little bit. By the way, we're going to get to your, your stunning senior photography here in just a second because it really is so impressive. But that's actually how we met. And um, and then we had the opportunity to to talk about a little bit about your experience with photographers at it, and you gave us some really constructive feedback as well, which was great. But I just don't want our listeners to think that yeah. I that I set us up for that conversation. <laughs> I do appreciate you sharing that though, because it. I mean, the right. reality is, it is the most time consuming element of most photographers' workflow. We're all involved in a workflow on a day to day basis, whether we call it that or not, and that that editing work, the culling and color correction and any other, you know, retouching or otherwise the editing work is likely the most time consuming element of most photographers workflow and being able to, to get that off your plate, even if it's a percentage of it can make a drastic difference in your life
1: for sure. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing is that, yeah, it definitely wasn't a, a setup of, yeah, I want you to talk about the photographer's edit, but more so from my heart, the genuine part of, of what, what I'm definitely trying to hit on is just getting rid of the things that are unimportant. To, to you as far as like what, what can you relinquish in your life or in your business that can essentially be outsourced and using outsource is kind of like a, a general term here. And that's, that's why my, I had my assistant on for a while. was yeah. he was doing that kind of stuff, answering emails, taking phone calls more than just editing. But that was one key element that I was able to kind of give up. And it changed, it changed my business in the way being that I was able to focus on, on my personal life more as far as with my, with my wife and, and family and kind of, and not have to spend late hours of the night editing stuff that I shot during the day or weddings which are oh my goodness I I don't do as many weddings anymore and the editing was such a beast on its own that giving that up just I felt so much better about my business and more excited for the day-to-day stuff because it was more it was more on what I wanted to do and less of what I didn't so
0: well, again, I appreciate you sharing that. And um, for those of you listening and you're curious, I mean, we don't really actually talk about Photographer's Edit a lot on the Boca podcast. We'll make sure, of course, to, to link to Photographer's Edit in the show notes if you're just overwhelmed or you found that this past season you were overwhelmed with editing and you're looking for a solution. And again, it doesn't have to be an all or nothing, um, I guess, solution, if you will. If you want to outsource just the color correction work, that's awesome. We also do calling color correction, retouching. We're getting ready to launch a new retouching service. Uh, which is going to make the idea of retouching way, way more accessible to all of our clients at a, at a price point that is going to be mind-blowing to most. So I'm really excited about that. But just check it out. Give it a, um, give it a look. And, and if you've got any questions, of course, we can answer those for you. But I, again, I appreciate you sharing this story, Isaac. But um, yeah. let, let's talk a little bit about this idea of being present and focused, because again, it's relevant to the conversation around time and running at a hundred miles an hour all the time as business owners, uh, this is something honestly that I've been having to and and frankly still need to do an even better job of. Uh, I f- I found I mean I put a lot into 2018, and coming out of it, I'm kind of still recovering almost. And um, yeah. even this week, I've had to kind of tone things down a bit and take a step back because I see that my even my physical body is responding uh, in a way that is is not normal, and so I'm I'm trying to address that, but. In addition to taking time for ourselves and, and getting rest, um, there's also this idea of being focused and present and centered. And when I say this, I don't mean to make, make it sound too woo-woo. Really what we're talking about is is the idea of not letting our mind kind of run away with us. There's a yeah. book that I've alluded to a number of times on the podcast called The Untethered Soul. And, and Michael Singer is the author. He talks about this idea of the voice inside our head. And we all know what that's like. We, and, and probably particularly as artist types hear that so-called voice in our head, just running at a mile a minute. And, and it's distracting. It gets in the way of just being mm-hmm. present, being in the moment, focusing on that relationship with a significant other or with friends, uh, or just learning to be, not feeling like we have to do something all the time. And um, so I'm curious if, if w- what you do in your life and your business um, to encourage that idea of presence.
1: Yeah. Well, something recently I've been attempting, <laughs> attempting is, is meditation, yeah. which I always kind of like, I just always skirted to the side. Cause I was like, that's, that's just for a bunch of weirdos that are like into yoga and sipping tea. on mountain." <laughs> like, I'm like, that's yeah. not, that's not. And then I started really exploring, okay, re- what is this really about? Sure. And then Because I, yeah, just like you were saying earlier, like I, some of the things that led to my, my health, like my heart attack, virus, uh, fever, my, I couldn't sleep because my mind was racing so much. My business was growing like just extremely fast. And so I was always thinking about new marketing or new products or whatever, whatever the case, my mind was always racing as many of our minds do and meditation being the the thing that I recently have been discovering I'm not extremely disciplined yet but I've been attempting to do those those daily kind of stop in the middle of my work day and just close off everything and and sit for you know 5 to 15 minutes um and just focus on not thinking and that's just such a hard thing for me because I'm always, always thinking being strategic or, or thinking about a conversation I'm going to have with someone that's maybe hard or difficult or what I might be having for dinner tonight, as stupid as that sounds, those things are just completely flooding my mind to where meditation has been huge. And so, yeah, and we were actually talking before the podcast started recording about four hour work week a little bit. yeah, And that book just changed my mindset as far as the being present part of your question, being present and like more focused on, on the, the part, important parts of life, that, that opened my mindset to like, okay, like I, I really need to, to find the ways that I can, I can be there more doing the things I love while making, ma- making more money or making the same money, mm-hmm. just working less. Yeah. Um, and so I, I won't go too much more into that because we kind of touched that a little bit earlier, but that book kind of really changed um, my mindset as far as where time is and, and where I'm investing my personal time in business or personal life. So and we'll make yeah. sure
0: to link to that book in the show notes too. Again, for those of you listening in, boca bokeh, b-o-k-e-h podcast.com, Haley puts together a wealth of information for our show notes. And um some of some of the podcast apps on your phones, you may be able to see them formatted correctly. Others for some reason don't render them correctly. So if you just go to bocapodcast podcast.com, com, we'll link to these uh and other resources that we talk about here on the podcast episode in those show notes and you can reference the show notes from other episodes as well. We'll make sure to link to that book. But one of the things that Tim has talked about, and I think Isaac, you summed it up really well just now that the purpose of that book, he he's come back to say, look, you know, people have this misconception that he was actually talking about only working four hours a week. (laughs) He, He had actually created a workflow that enabled him to do that. But ultimately what he's talking about is what you just mentioned, Isaac, that idea of working intelligently And figuring out ways to be able to generate comparable money with less work uh, or less busy work, I should say more specifically. And I think that's important. I mean, if if we don't, the whole idea behind starting or large, a big part of the idea behind starting a business for ourselves in the first place is to be the boss of our own lives, right? Instead of somebody else telling us, this is how you need to spend your time, we have the ability, the opportunity to be able to create the life that we want to. But it's easy to get lost in the busyness of it all. And if we don't take a step back and develop a certain level of self-awareness and, and be able to look at our business objectively, we are just going to get burnt out. And so yep. being intelligent about how we spend our time and how we run our business is really important. So much of what this podcast is about is that. And I hope that we've somehow made a difference in, in our listeners' lives in that way. The other thing that you mentioned was, was meditation. And again, to this idea of awareness, you know, it's, it's easy to get caught up in the idea that meditation is not thinking about anything. Right. Um, but so much of meditation i've learned anyway personally is about awareness more about awareness than just simply not thinking about something it's awareness yeah. of your thoughts and one of the beautiful elements of or ideas behind being aware of your thoughts is the significant that the significance of those thoughts not actually being you uh, and this is, again, what Michael Singer talks about in, in his book. It's these, these thoughts, these, almost the narration. Your mind kind of narrates what's going on around you. And I think a lot of that has to do with our, our human tendency to try to make sense, to categorize, to organize information as it happens around us, as we listen to it, as we see it, as we experience it. Mm-hmm. And our mind is trying to, to do that organizational work. And yet to give it too much significance can actually be inhibitive to to living a really, really great life. So simply being able to sit and see those thoughts and and as I know I've talked about this in the podcast before, but it's such a powerful concept. Michael talks about seeing those thoughts in, acknowledging them, and then kind of seeing them out. And and when I meditate, that's kind of how I'll do it. I'll I'll literally see it, almost like seeing it out the door. Like, okay, there's a thought, there's an idea, cool. I'm not going to try to fight that because finding that tends to only encourage thinking about that thing. So instead, I see it, I acknowledge it, and I see it out. And you yeah. repeat that process over and over and over again, and even the as short a time frame as ten minutes, you'll find yourself just kind of deep in this so-called meditative experience, and it's really powerful. It's relaxing, um, it's calming, and it and it gives you a sense of presence that is extremely, extremely powerful. So we'll also link to this book again in the show notes. But I really appreciate you sharing your perspective on that, Isaac, because I think it's a it's a a powerful one. It's a simple idea of not getting so caught up in this idea that it's you know this this hippie behavior, if you will. And I like that our culture yeah. has making it more mainstream now. But an yeah. awareness of thought that is so, so important. And not not giving so much significance to that thought that we are labeling those thoughts as that is me, but instead enabling or being aware of the fact that those thoughts, they're ideas, they're objects almost that we can choose how to interact with and we can choose to give the one significance that are actually beneficial to our life. And those that aren't, yeah. we can let them go. And I yeah. think that's really, really powerful.
1: And I, I definitely like to add real quick is just that I think for me, what really unlocked it or kind of made me realize the importance of it was finding guided meditation. Hmm. And that's where what you were just saying earlier is kind of that misconception of it's just stop thinking, which is so much harder to do than anything. And it's not really the full, the full force of what meditation can do. And with guided meditation, i found the app, which I'm not one of those guys that just uses a bunch of apps for everything, but the app headspace has been huge in my life. My wife introduced it to me, showed it to me and said, Hey, try this out. And it's been huge. Just being able to, someone guiding you through, here's how to, how to meditate essentially. Okay. Let your mind wander for this this short bit. Okay. Now bring it back, focus on your breathing, so on and so forth. And that really has helped me so much more than just sitting there in silence and then attempting to do that all on my own. So I just wanted to add that.
0: That's really, really cool. And we'll link to Headspace in the show notes as well, that the app is really, really well designed. And I know that it's made yeah. a big difference in a large number of people's efforts at, at learning how to meditate. So that's really, really great. Talk. we we just, we've mentioned a couple of books already. What is one of the most impactful books that you've read, whether it's a, a you know book that has been helpful to your personal life, your business or both, what, what would that be?
1: Yeah, I, um, Fairly recently found one that was both business and personal and it's called never split the difference by Chris Voss. Okay. And, uh, he is a former FBI hostage negotiator. Wow. So what he takes in this book is he says, I'm going to teach you essentially to negotiate and, um, understand human psychology in everyday life, almost as if your life depends on it. So he takes all his years of experience of being in the FBI saving lives that he realized, he said, oh, I can take these same concepts that I use talking to all these, I mean, just high high profile hostage cases and apply it to negotiating a car sale, negotiating a higher salary in your job if you have a job or taking it into the business. Just in the sales perspective, this thing just hits so many elements in in personal life and business life that um, it really opened my eyes to just understanding people better um, not not in a way that's manipulating people, but sure. in a way that's more speaking into what people uh, really need to understand or need to hear. Hmm. Hearing hearing their name, you know, saying their name out loud to them, yeah. just stuff like that. It's it was a really cool book that I, I've referred on to a couple people and. Um, I've gotten back just good reviews from, from them saying how much they enjoyed it. And so I definitely recommend checking out, never split the difference. Really great book.
0: Well, we'll link to that in the show notes. You know, it reminds me, you talked about the, even the significance of calling somebody by their name. It's, it's interesting in some ways sad, but if you do something as simple as one of the things I've done in the past, I enjoy doing is going to the grocery store and going to check out, and you know, they wear a name tag, the person there <laughs> wears a name tag and calling them by name, responding to them by name. And it's, I, I enjoy looking for that response because most, even if it's just kind of a glint in their, their eye, that that somebody has acknowledged their presence, their significance, mm-hmm. who they are. It's amazing how small things like that can make a difference in the way that you engage with people. And it reminds me of, a, of course, an iconic book at this point, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Yes. And, and that book talks about A similar idea as well, but I love that. We'll make sure to link to that book in the show notes as well. And uh, for those of you listening in, you've already got three books now from from this episode. You're going to have to add it to your Kindle (laughs) or go pick them up at the bookstore. This is this is really good. So let's make a transition to to talking a little bit more about photography. And honestly, I've I've really enjoyed the, the conversation thus far. I love kind of delving into the personal elements of living life as a professional photographer. But I do want to talk about your business. I'm curious how long you've been a professional photographer and talk to us a little bit about how you got started.
1: Yeah, I started in high school. I uh, joined the the high school newspaper. Uh, they asked me to be a part in, in photograph and tell stories just throughout the high school and sports and all that good stuff. then ventured on to other basically media classes like we had a video production program which was really cool in high school and then uh, the yearbook of course, and all these classes started gravitating towards like my desires so i I kind of just full head first, my senior year went into all of these different classes and um, fa- fell in love with it. But as I was trying to figure out what I was going to do after high school, I started looking at the average salary of a photographer on <laughs> I don't know, probably Wikipedia. Yeah, and yeah. everything I kept coming everything kept coming up to saying the national average for photographers is twenty grand, and it was just an eye opening. Me just being this vulnerable little high schooler saying like, oh my gosh, twenty thousand dollars. I, that I might as well just work at Wendy's. Like that's not, that's not going to feed a family or be able to allow me to travel or whatever the case. So, um, so I went off to college and still, still did photography on the side, but had no intentions of becoming a photographer. Uh, and I assumed the more and more I just kind of grew the business on the back end unintentionally, I realized, you know what, screw this. I don't care about national averages. I don't care about the fact that I live in a super small rural town I'm going to make this successful regardless of any other status quo and just Mm. go for it. And so I dropped out of college and went full force. I still maintained a part-time job, but I went full force in my photography and within a year or two, I went full time. So I've been doing it for about six years total, six or seven years total and full time for about three now. So it's been just a quite an adventure, but I, it's, it's been amazing just to kind of kind of look past those those things like like that national average yeah. of like that was just that was just complete lie I mean I could see how that may be pulling from I, I don't know maybe I don't know if where that that is coming from because that's definitely not it's all over the board as far as photographers and business owners and so I definitely encourage if anyone's listening that is looking to get in photography or just starting out and is discouraged hearing that you can't make money in this industry there's definitely a way to do it and it's just more about your mindset and kind of where you want to take it and your dreams. So
0: hundred percent. And, and, you know, I I hear the word dream and, you know, unfortunately that, that word is thrown a lot around a lot these days and it's almost become a cliche, but the reality is that if you're, if you're smart about, if you have an idea, a goal in mind, we talk about this idea of a big picture view here on the podcast quite a bit. um, But if you have an idea and you put together a plan and then just go for it there's little reason these days not to be able to create a sustainable full-time professional photography business. There are, I mean, we've talked about so many different elements here on the podcast and over 200 episodes of running a photography business. There are definitely different uh, elements of that to, to be considered in order to create a sustainable business, but ultimately a decision to to go for it. Um, that's where it starts. And I love I love that mentality that you have a lot of times it's easy to get inside our head and again to our earlier conversation, give too much significance to some of those thoughts. And that becomes inhibitive to our our ability to actually create something really great. So I, I love that you've that you've just thrown yourself into it, that you've gone for it, you've made it work. Major props for that. And I think that's what really wonderful encouragement for those listening in. Again, not to minimize the significance along the way of being aware of your numbers and, uh, understanding a very, and we're going to get into this here in just a second, but having a, a very clear brand position, which not only enables you to, um, to be able to create more distinction to those potential clients, but also ultimately just to market a lot easier. Uh, there are so many, and those and, and other elements, of course, that we've discussed here in the podcast, really important to keep in mind, but you do have to be willing to just throw down and run with it and put the work in. And, uh, so again, I, I congratulate you for that. I give you major props for that. I love the mentality and I can very much relate to it. Sometimes, sometimes you do have to kind of just figure things out on the way, you know, kind of the jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down. I I don't like that as a, um, like an all encompassing (laughs) philosophy, but I can very much relate to that idea because sometimes you do have to just go for it. It's easy to get stuck in the questions and the questions from other people too, like questioning your, your ability or your motive, or whether or not this thing's going to work. And, you know, you bring up an interesting point about statistics. It is good to develop a certain awareness of statistics. Mm-hmm. In, in some cases, and even many cases, maybe you can go beyond those statistics. But it's interesting. I think a lot of photographers don't realize, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but roughly 70, 75% or so of just weddings, if we look at weddings in the US are photographed for two grand or less. And, and then the next 15% or so for between two and four grand, and then the rest is on that, that top end. So, you know, five to 10% uh, beyond four grand. And so that's the reality of it. And then if you also consider the fact that there are a lot of part-time photographers, you begin Mm -hmm. to understand why those numbers, the kind of the annual income numbers might be so low. Uh, But the fact that you were able to kind of step beyond that and create a life for yourself is great. And I want to understand a little bit better. First of all, what you've learned through that process? What is one of the biggest lessons that you've learned as a business owner so far? In fact, let's let's spin it another way. If you had fifteen seconds to give a piece of advice to a, a relatively new photographer that you've learned so they, they can avoid making maybe the
1: same mistake, uh, what would that thing be? Yeah, you you kind of said it already. Actually, what I found, I think, or what I found in in doing everything is that setting setting the goals that are attainable. That that's so important, but the bigger thing is setting goals that don't have to be what everyone else's are. So Mm. what I mean by that is saying I I want to be this phenomenal, amazing photographer. That's making I know I'm going beyond 15 seconds right now, but um, (laughs) I want to be that. I want to be that photographer that's traveling all over the world, making thousands upon hundreds of thousands of dollars, all that good stuff. But defining success for yourself is so so much more important than just setting goals that maybe someone else has for themselves. So for me, my wife being able to stay at home when we have kids is a huge goal of mine. So I, I've set that as my, as my goal coming up soon, my goal coming up soon this next year is to completely replace her income. Wow. And so that's a goal. I, I have an actual number. Obviously I know what her, her salary is. Yeah, I, it, it has a number to it and I know where I need to be, what I need to be taking home. And that's my goal for this year. And so that's my realization is if we set attainable goals, we can, we can make our own successes. No one else, no one else defines success for us. We just define it for, for what it is in our life and in our minds. Um, And as soon as we reach one, we go to the next.
0: That's good. You know, and, and I think this, this has again, been a point of conversation, I think even more so as of late on the podcast, but it's, it also bears repeating. That is the idea that if we're really clear about what we're trying to attain, what goals we're trying to reach, that, that can literally drive everything that we do. And it, makes, it, it takes away a lot of the confusion of do I, do I, what genre do I even photograph? And then within that genre, what target market do I go after? And what's my brand position going to be? And w- what should I charge? All of these things can ultimately be determined largely by our bigger picture goals. So taking the time to establish those big picture goals, that big picture view, again, as I mentioned earlier, is really important because it can literally drive Everything that we do it takes away confusion it encourages efficiency because now you're not spending time on things that are irrelevant uh, and that's really really important so I think this is great advice I appreciate the reminder. talk to us about your photography business's brand position and and for those of you listening and maybe you've not heard us talk about this before or not very much so far and what I actually give as a, a definition of sorts to our guests coming on the show for the idea of a brand position is the unique value proposition that your business brings to your market that truly sets it apart from other photography businesses in that market. Um, you know, it's something that photographers mention a lot, for example, is, is that they, quote, like to focus on relationships. Well, when you have thousands of photography businesses doing that thing, it's no longer unique. It doesn't actually set you apart, and it's very tough to market something that, that you know the same 50 other photographers in your market are also doing. Um, so what is your photography business's brand position? What sets you apart from those in your market?
1: What's really cool about my market is it's not hard to do that because my my town is so behind the times. Okay, um, So I'll explain kind of some things that I'm doing that maybe some some listeners are saying, oh my gosh, I've been doing that for so many years. Why is that unique? It's very unique to my town because of how behind the times you are. So I'm finding ways to essentially leverage that. So what I mean by that is in-person sales, for example, is one of those things that the fact that I'm pretty much one of the only photographers offering it in my town has become this huge thing that people are talking about where they're saying he's so different because he he cares for more than just these photos. He cares that I have art that's going to last forever or books that are built to to outlive me. Whatever the case, doing in-person sales has been like a big differentiator in, in my market. But on a broader scope, one thing that I, I could say that as far as what I've wanted to focus on, or kind of the brand I've wanted to develop in in the the viewers' eyes, is I want to be I want to be a brand that is. Um, here, here's the here's the cliche analogy. I want to be a brand that's like the Apple of my area, so the higher end feeling company that you pretty much may not fully understand everything that they do, or or you may not fully understand what they're gonna do for you, but you know you want it. So I've kind of wanted to build this brand that is like, essentially people just know when they hear the name that they're going to have an awesome experience and whether PC listeners or Apple listeners are out there, it's, it's just regardless of that, regardless of personal preference, it's more about what brand did they develop that, that I can pretty much develop the same thing in, in my, in my town, hearing stories of people saying, Oh my gosh, you had your photos done by coffee creations that I can't believe that that's, that's just wild. They don't as far as photographer to photographer, some people might look at my work and go, Oh, wow, I'm, I'm better than him. But that's not the case as far as in my market, because I found a way to essentially say, I'm creating a lot more than just photos for these people. I'm, you know, that relational, that relationship thing. That's, that's great. That's, I definitely do that, but I've created a brand that's so desirable, essentially that people are, they're wanting to buy it without fully understanding what it is. And I don't know if that's, I'm not trying to sound pretentious in that way. It's just more, you know, it's just more of a, um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Well, I (laughs) I think,
0: I think you're getting to a couple of interesting points. Um, first of all, one, one that's interesting, you made that, that comparison between Apple and windows, you know, windows realized that Apple was creating an experience that people wanted Uh, to the extent that they're spending in some case, you know, days in line for, for some of their products too. Right. Um, it gets pretty crazy. And you'll see this if you ever go to a big mall where there's both an Apple and Windows store or Microsoft store. Microsoft literally copied what Apple mm-hmm. was doing with their, their storefronts because they understood the experience that Apple was creating was generating such a buzz and a following um, that it was worth trying to emulate. I mean, it's, and it's hilarious. It's so identical. I think I was actually at a mall at one point where those two stores were either right next door to each other or like right across the hall from each other the hallway. And it was just hilarious. I mean, it's so funny to see that, that Microsoft didn't even shy away from identically matching or copying what Apple had done, but they understood the the significance of the experience that you were talking about. You mentioned that you're in a small market and um, there's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm actually on your, your homepage right now. And again, for those of you listening in, if you go to coffee, C O F F Y creations.com, you can see this, but the first thing that comes up when I get to your homepage is your senior experience. Um, and, I, and I love that because it plays on this idea that you're talking about of being the senior photography experience in your market. You're, you're lucky in that you're in a smaller market, so it's easier to create these distinct brand positions against the rest of the market. I had a similar experience as a photographer in the Chattanooga area uh, way back in the day when this idea of journalistic wedding photography was a new concept. California mm-hmm. was doing it, but here it was still very, very traditional. And, um, you know, the, the standing stiff and smiling at the camera with big studio lights inside a church. Like that was, that was what quote good photography, wedding photography was. And we had the opportunity to be able to create a distinct brand position as being this modern wedding photographer in a small market because nobody else was really doing it. And so you have a really cool opportunity to be able to do something comparable there. But you're, the statement, your senior experience, that you're not saying you're a senior photographer. You're saying you are the senior photographer. And I love that you're trying to create a brand that is just that. And you're not shying away from it. Um, will you comment a little bit on that? Was that a tagline that you came up with? And is it play in that idea?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I've got my brother owns a marketing company and I've got friends that own other marketing companies that I've bounced a lot of ideas off of. And a big understanding that i found through, through conversations with these, these awesome, awesome uh, individuals was the realization that I, I need to speak directly to the senior. So let's talk exa- like senior portraits specifically. So I realized that I, I was trying to split everything as far as I thought, well, parents are paying, so parents are the client. And also seniors are booking because they're the ones being photographed. So I was trying to split my efforts essentially and focus on seniors and parents. And, um, in talking to some of my friends, it was a realization that no, I, I need to talk directly to the seniors because the seniors are then going to relay that to the parent. Most often than not, um, the, the seniors are the ones talking to me first or reaching out to me first, making that first contact, or at least they told their parents, I want to have coffee due my photos. Um, and then the parent reaches out. So the branding all kind of focused around that, that it's, I'm talking directly to the student, to the senior. Um, and I want them to understand it's like, picture yourself in this experience. So I paid a company essentially to create a video to really kind of encompass what that experience looked like and show people here, here's what you're going to get. Here's how you can fit yourself into this video. We made sure not to just do one senior essentially, like just to show one senior. One strategy we essentially talked about was we need to show a bunch of seniors, guys and girls, so that whoever's watching this video can easily just insert themselves into what we've created. And so that was kind of a huge, huge focus of ours. And I did, I did hire a copywriter. So I, I told them, I said, listen, here's here's kind of the focus I want. Here's how I want to relay info to the seniors. Now help me put it into words, because that's something I'm I'm not very good at. And I was able to identify that earlier on. And I hired someone that was paid, or their their profession is to write copy, and so they helped me essentially put everything I wanted to into words. So everything, every page, almost every page on my website is written by someone else, but it's my it's my voice just coming through them. If that makes sense, that's I mean, there's so many
0: talking points ultimately here, uh, potential talking points. But one of the things that's interesting you mentioned is actually taking or making the investment in a copywriter. Uh, This is something that is not uh, very obviously not done on a lot of photographers' websites, and I think it can be inhibitive on multiple levels. But particularly when it comes to again effectively communicating what your brand is about, if you have somebody who is an experienced copywriter who knows how to take, you know, what what might be a two or three paragraph. Uh, expose on an about page and condense that to something that is, you know, a sentence or a couple of sentences that can sub up an experience or take what might be three or four sentences to describe what you feel like your brand positions about into a phrase that's three or four or five words. Not only does that help clarify things in in the minds of your potential clients, but it makes it so much easier to be able to effectively market to create a marketing campaign on Facebook, for example, Uh, because now you're not struggling to try to figure out how to fit enough text or a bunch of text into that, that little ad that you're about to run. Um, So that's a really interesting note. And I also like that you're speaking directly to the seniors. We we all know that at least in most cases, the parents of these seniors are paying for the sessions, but if you can get the seniors, or create fans, basically, of those seniors, and they're talking about it, and they're excited about it, you know, that pressure is going to be put on the parents then to kind of follow through. And um, I think that's an interesting kind of guerrilla style marketing effort. um, (laughs) That's really, really great. Um, I I want to let's actually, it's a great segue really to get into to something that you mentioned, I think you began to allude to earlier, but the idea of focusing on Senior guys, because you know, we see senior photography. First of all, it's not, I think it's still kind of an underdeveloped niche in some ways. There's so many wedding photographers or maybe family portrait photographers. For the longest time, senior photography was kind of dominated by companies like Life Touch or Olin Mills. And right. now there's this opportunity for photographers to come up and an individual sole proprietor. Uh, businesses to come up and take over that niche. And yet so much of what you see in senior photography, at least on the front end, when it comes to marketing and Instagram and so forth is the female senior, but Mm -hmm. guys, that's something that maybe isn't quite focused on as much. And so I like that you're
1: focusing on that niche. What kicked off this particular focus for you? With photographing guys, I kind of realized as far as how to communicate to them better. And so being, being a guy helps obviously, like that's kind of one thing that really helps, Yeah. but I, I fully believe that anyone can do this. Essentially, if you can match their tone, like if you can match their tone and kind of speak their language and what I mean by that is not talking slang, just like being, trying to be cool when you're not cool. Like, that's not what I do, (laughs) but I kind of get a vibe for them when I, when I meet them in the room and just say like, okay, here, here's kind of what the level they they're at. Here's where, you know they're coming in, not very excited about, about having photos done. And most often it's actually, this is the flip for, for girls. It's usually the parent reaching out and then they're bringing their son along for the, for the session. Um, so I've tried to essentially find ways to, to make the guys excited for their session. Hmm. We're pretty much, I can, I can kind of say that almost every single time I bring a guy into the studio to meet with them before their session, they're almost always leaving excited. Even if they don't say it, I can tell their, their entire tone has shifted after I'm done talking to them. And so here's kind of my my key takeaway is essentially with every guy, um, I'll ask them about like what their, their hobbies, their interests are. This is the typical stuff that you would kind of want to know with any client. But I'll, I'll kind of get to know them a little bit better. But the one thing I really get them to open up on is I say, listen let's just assume that no one has to see these photos. Let's just say no one needs to see these photos except for you. They don't have to go anywhere else, but in our studio where you see them in a private viewing session, essentially, what's the one thing you would really love to photograph that no one else has to see, regardless of how cheesy you might think it might look, regardless of how cheesy maybe you saw on the internet with a a guy in his car Regardless of that, what's the one thing you would really enjoy seeing yourself in? And that's where they start opening up about something like, oh, yeah, I don't really show this off much, but I, I'm a bowler. I love bowling. Okay, awesome. Great. Let's talk about that for a bit. And so I st- start getting to open up about these ideas. They start envisioning these these photos that maybe initially they thought, oh, that'd be so cheesy if I brought that up. But then I was able to kind of put the, paint this vision in their mind of like, no, we can make this look legit. The photos that uh, Nate was talking about near the beginning that they edited for me was actually a guy that said, I, I like to snowboard. And that's something I enjoy doing that. I'm, I'm not a professional snowboarder. I don't plan on snowboarding anywhere, but I like snowboarding. And I said, okay, awesome. Well, it's gross out right now, so we can't really shoot outside. And plus, <laughs> it's extremely cold in Ohio, so I don't really want to anyway. I said, "How about we take some fake snow and create some really cool snow stuff in the in the studio?" And, and we started painting this picture, and he just got so excited. He got thrilled because then he he's just like, "Okay, he can he can envision it wearing his goggles, bringing in his board that he loves and cherishes." And so, painting the picture for them really helps, kind of kind of bring it into where they get excited about it. And that's the, something that clicked with me recently. That guys kind of they they want to be treated the same. They want they want to look cool. They want to look awesome just like the girls want to look awesome for their, for their Instagrams. And they want to, they want to look great and feel great. Guys want the same thing. They just don't know how to express it. Hmm. They, they don't want to seem like they don't want to seem girly because they're excited to have their photo taken. They don't want to seem like weak because they, I don't know, they want to go into a field and take pictures, like being able to kind of bring that out. Then, then they're understanding, okay, that's awesome. And helping them understand that no one else has to see these photos if if you don't love them that much, if we create something like that's super cheesy and you see it and you're like, oh gross. Okay, cool. No one else has to see it. Helping them understand that has just like allowed me to open up so much more guys, so many more guys to to these ideas that are out there and different and unique. Okay. So
0: so many different directions again that we could go here, the conversation, but I I, I wanna go back to to first This idea that you are, it's a very simple idea, but it's a powerful one. Everybody listening in key into this because this is huge. You are effectively able to speak the language of these male seniors uh, because you, are, you happen to be male yourself. And, and again, whether you might think that's a simplistic notion or not, it's a really important principle to keep in mind, which is in addition to establishing a big picture view, which drives the business model that you're creating, part of that effort to find the business model, or more specifically the niche, uh, the particular market that you're going to go after is to go after a market that you can effectively relate to uh, or feel relevant to. And more ideally, that you can speak the language of. And I think that's a really important idea to keep in mind. Again, it makes the marketing effort so much easier. And then your interaction with that market is less contrived as well as a result. And I think that's really huge. And then especially when it comes to teenagers, I mean, they can read you like a book and they know if you're putting on a show or not. And the fact that you can be yourself, more yourself, and the way that you engage with them, I think is really important. So this is really good. Uh, you mentioned, yeah. let, let's, let's kind of build on what you were just talking about. I mean, it's not that you've not photographed girls as well, but as you make this move toward photographing senior guys more and more, what have you noticed Is are, are the the bigger differences? You, you already alluded to one, but maybe sum up the biggest differences between photographing female seniors and male seniors As far as, I don't know if it might be the way that you have to interact with them, um, the mentality that they bring to the picture, as you alluded to just a little bit ago, what are the biggest differences?
1: So with, with guys and girls, I, what I said, what I did say earlier, the similarity would be definitely that the guys want to be, feel awesome and feel amazing. The biggest difference being that you can't pose them the same. So, so there's, with girls, there's tons of just options out there as far as how you can make them look great. But with guys, you're kind of um, I wouldn't I don't want to say limited because it's just different and so with that understanding kind of their personality understanding their personality then being able to show that in their photos is huge so one one example essentially is there was a high school guy that um, he was a wrestler he built just really kind of muscle like just you can tell he was proud of his physique so like I was able to Essentially, say we don't need to be cheesy with your. I forget what those are called. The wrestling, what are they, what they wear? I forget what they're called.
0: Yeah, I, I I don't know the name either, but I, I know what you're referring to. Most of us can probably guess. There's a yeah. picture in their mind of, of the, yeah. the the tight yes. suits that they wear for wrestling.
1: Not the most attractive thing. But I said <laughs> I said okay, listen, we're going to photograph it pretty much waist up and make you look super cool. So we bring out the spray bottle, we look make it look sweaty. This is sounding weird, but you know you know where I'm going with this making it look just like a, like a Nike ad or, you know, Gatorade commercial. Sure. I kind of, I I put that in their mind so that they understand like, yeah, this can look cool and you're going to look tough. You're going to look awesome. Um, but the po yeah, again, the posing is the, is the biggest, one of the biggest differentiators that finding out how to make them look, look awesome. Like that's, that's where, that's where girls want to look awesome too, but it's just, it's just, it's very different. It's very refreshing, too.
0: Oh, I can imagine um, and, and probably challenging simultaneously because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's uh, there are obviously negative associations with this idea, but it, our culture is kind of in, in some ways ingrained in women, even young women, how to pose themselves, how to stand how to look at the camera. And so there's almost an expectation that that's what they're going to be doing for the camera going into it. And it might be a little bit easier personality wise, of course, in many cases, probably a little bit more excited about the idea of being being photographed and having photographs to share with their friends. Guys is probably a little different vibe in many cases. And so yeah. I, I like that you were, uh, that you were, first of all, creating an environment for them in which they feel comfortable sharing who they are through their interests, and and encouraging the idea that you're going to highlight those interests through photography, that probably sets the tone, sets them at ease a little bit more. But I can imagine the posing would be a, a, a little bit, um, uh, just a different experience. I never had the opportunity, maybe once, that I ever photographed, um, once or twice, that I photographed seniors And maybe one of those times was with a guy. So I don't have a a ton of experience. I imagine that it would be kind of difficult going into it, but, uh, that is definitely something to keep in mind. It seems like a lot of it would be driven by creating a comfortable environment for them. And, you know, you alluded to those pictures earlier too, if you're focused on highlighting this particular interest, particularly with the, you said it was snowboarding, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah the yep.
0: snowboard snowboarding, the goggles, the color, the lighting that you used in that. And um, I think you were using colored powder as well, correct?
1: No, it was white. It was white powder. It was white. uh,
0: Okay. I don't, I have these, these like vibrant colors in mind too, from the, from the picture. I don't have it in front of me that were just, it was such a powerful, powerful image that I have literally never seen in any form or fashion before in senior photography. So I love the direction that you're going with this. And maybe we will have some of those on, on Instagram by the time this episode goes live. And and, uh, we may even use one of those images as a thumbnail for this episode too, because it was really incredible. I love that you're, that you're digging in, figuring out the interest and highlighting those.
1: And then yeah. ultimately sets
0: a more comfortable tone to, to pose that that male senior as well. And
1: I think one thing is huge in my business. I strap a speaker to my hip the entire session. So we're jamming to music the entire time. And kind of what I'm getting at with that is that I, I set the tone of the music based on kind of what we're photographing. So with girls, it's it's just upbeat. It's it's fun. With guys, some guys, it is rap. I'm, not, I'm personally not a fan of rap, but they're like, I love Kanye West. I'm like, cool. Let's That's on the Kanye West radio. Um, usually we have to be in the studio not out in public to listen to that. But, <laughs> right. you know. but the, the snowboarder pictures, I told him, I painted this picture in his mind saying, I want you just shouting at the camera. <laughs> and this guy is not a model. So that's the first thing. Almost none of my clients are. And so shouting at the camera and being like, kind of giving this, this emotion that uh, you would never see in a typical senior photo. I had to kind of pull that out in the music. So I just, without asking what kind of music he enjoys, because we already played that music. We're, we were done with that. Without asking him, I said, listen, I'm going to put on this hardcore, hardcore music, this screamo music, and I'm going to turn it loud. So you don't have to really hear yourself in, in this quietness of the studio. And you're just going to be screaming. And I, I even screamed with him. Wow. So behind the camera, I'm just shouting with him because I didn't want to make him feel stupid. Yeah. yeah. It, it's stupid feeling. You're just in silence and you're just shouting at a camera. <laughs> <laughs> So putting that loud music on, that heavy music kind of pulls out that, that emotion we were trying to go for in in those ending photos and then joining him. So he didn't feel like he was the only one shouting from behind the camera. It, it, it kind of pulled all those pieces together that I needed. And I, I showed him back of the camera before it was edited. I said, check it out. Like, and he was his, him and his mom both were like, Oh my gosh, that is, that is the coolest thing we've ever seen. And that's awesome. So emotion music. Yeah it's all all a huge key element
0: and it's all about ultimately setting that environment and what that that creates a certain level of comfortability where they can let loose right because I mean we we can call it stereotypical or traditional or whatever it might be but many if not most guys coming into a scenario like that there's a certain level of machismo if you will that they're trying to maintain the idea that they're gonna be photographed for senior portraits is is it just feels weird and they're trying they may they may be apprehensive or shy or just trying to be too cool and that can get in the way of, of getting really great portraits that actually reflect their personality. If you're creating an environment like that that encourages them to relax... And to be themselves and even to, to, to go a little bit outside their comfort zone.
1: Mm-hmm. I think
0: that's awesome. And um, at, at, you're doing an incredible job by setting that tone. I, I, we have just a few minutes here. And I'd love just in closing, if you wouldn't mind, because I know that a lot of your effort now to go after this particular segment of the senior market is driven by your marketing efforts and the conversations, the way that you're communicating with the potential client. Will you share a few principles that have driven those marketing efforts to develop this particular niche in your business?
1: Some key principles for mine, as far as I, I want to be very open on social media. So I'm on my Instagram story, for example, I'm always putting myself in front of the lens, in front of the camera of you know, my Instagram and showing people my personality. And so when specifically when guys are coming in, they have a good idea of kind of what, what I'm already like. So they have that idea coming into it before even meeting me. They have this idea of my personality, and they see that this relatable guy that they can that they can easily open up to. Um, most times, every every person is different, but sure. they already have this mindset that oh, okay, like I I know I can have a conversation with him, or and so that's been huge. Uh, but another thing too has been just showing kind of the more impactful images in my marketing. That's another shift I've made recently that I've noticed has kind of created more buzz. So these images with every guy, I want to make sure I get at least one, at least one really cool, really cool image. that's epic, different, unique, uh, specifically with the guys. So that when I show it, other guys are going to be like, oh, wow, he made my friend or this other guy look amazing or look awesome. I want that same kind of experience. And so with every person, again, that conversation starts with what can we do to make To create one awesome image for you when in the back of my mind, I'm, I'm just thinking, of well, (laughs) that sounds shallow. I want them to have awesome images, but I'm also thinking, what can I use in my marketing that other guys are going to get excited about? Sure.
0: But I I like the simplicity of that question though. Um, and, And it might, you know, they're not used to being asked a question like that. And this suddenly gets to be all about them and what they're really stoked about. I think that's a great question. All right, so the idea of being yourself to them is really important. And, and you and I were actually having this conversation before we started recording. You know, the, something that we hear in the podcast world quite a bit is a host who who puts on a particular persona for the podcast that you know is not them behind the scenes. They, they, they kind of right. go into a so-called mode and they, they have a particular voice and you know they don't talk to their significant other at home and that with that same voice, it just, <laughs> it feels very contrived. Um, right. There's an importance, a significance to being consistent in the way that you present yourself and then ultimately interact with the client that's I think really, really important. Again, especially with this age group who will just see through all the BS. I think yeah. that's really important. Showing impactful images. Anything else to throw into the mix here at the end?
1: That's primarily it. I'll say, I say recently has been, has been the biggest surge of guys that I've been getting in my studio. And really though, those are what I've noticed being the bigger, bigger elements. One, actually, actually there is one other thing I do in my, in my marketing, I do Instagram story takeovers during the sessions where I give the client my phone and they just take over my Instagram story. That's cool. Very, very few times do guys do it and so girls are all about it. They're like, oh my gosh, she's got over 10,000 followers. That's, that's so cool. Um, and they're really excited to do it. Guys, I've had like one or two guys in the past that are like, yeah, that sounds awesome. Most of them are like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, can I at least put you on my Instagram story? And they'll be like, yeah, that's fine. They're cool with that as long as I'm running it. And so I'll, I'll do some selfie videos of me and the guy or I'll just do some behind the scenes videos you know, or photos from my camera onto my Instagram story. Because again, in the back of my mind, all I'm thinking about is their friends watching it, their friends being able to see how I interact with, you know, with their buddy that's getting their photos done. Being able to see that, it really just opens up their eyes to just like how non stale it is, or how that's how much right. fun we have. So that's
0: that's a really great idea. I mean, in, Instagram takeovers is is something that's happened for some time now in our industry. Right. I mean, we've we've even utilized it at, at photographers edit, but the idea of of having a senior takeover. For you know, I mean, in many cases, you're you're pretty young, Isaac, at 24. But but um, a lot of photographers they're in their 30s, maybe even older, and it may just be that the content that they're putting in their Instagram feed, or even particularly in their stories, may not feel as relevant to their target market. And so letting the senior take over, I think it's a brilliant idea. And that's a, that's a great way to end this conversation. I think a good tip, good piece of advice for those listening in. I really appreciate you making time to to share with us today. And I know we could probably dig deeper into this, um, but for the time being, we just share where our listeners one more time, where they can find you online, social media,
1: website, et cetera. Absolutely. I I definitely encourage everyone that's listening to check out the website because it's, it's very kind of focused around seniors. And so that's coffee creations, C-O-F-F-Y creations.com. And then, uh, pretty much that's my, that's my handle for all social media. So coffee creations on Instagram, uh, Facebook, you can find me everywhere. Feel free to send me messages. I'm, I love interacting with other photographers and other creatives. So definitely connect with me and, and, and let's open the conversations. That's
0: awesome. I really appreciate you making yourself available. I appreciate you making yourself available today too, to do this podcast. Uh, again, for those of you listening in, we'll make sure to link to all the resources that we've discussed, a wide ranging conversation. I really love that um, at B O K E H bokehpodcast.com. Again, C-O-F-F-Y creations, creations.com. Same thing on Instagram. Thanks again, Isaac, for doing the Boca podcast. Thanks for having me.